Father, we thank you for a time in your presence. We thank you for your word that you will have us receive even now. We present ourselves from myself to every person under the sound of my voice as instruments to receive, vessels to receive your word and to be transformed upon this day that your name may be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. Children, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus said something to a crowd that was gathered to him. He asked them, concerning John the Baptist, who did you go out to see? What did you go out to see in the wilderness? A reed shaken by the wind? I ask you in similar fashion. What have you come to church today for? It's Children's Day. Have you come to see what the children have to present? Have you come to see a sample of what happens in that church on the other side of the main sanctuary? What have you come to church today to see? What have you come to receive on this children's day? Is it a day that the chaplaincy gives the children an opportunity to have fun in the big church? Or is it a day to go out and have an experience with our Heavenly Father? Our message has begun even right from the beginning of this service. Right from the prophecies that we received earlier in the service. You and I are children. If we are not, we need to be. If we are not, we need to be. Because only of such is the kingdom of heaven. If your target, your aim... In sitting down under this roof is not so you will make heaven. You're wasting our shade. You might as well just sit in the sun. But if it is to make heaven, if it is to be with the Father in that place He has prepared, then you need to become like a child. The passage we read began 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 says my dear children this was written by John the beloved my dear children he was not writing to Sunday school department of chapel of his resurrection only he was writing to the whole church and that is the term he used my dear children He did not have any confusion because he was old. No, he knew what he was saying. And that is what God wants us to hear. My dear children, are you a child before God? Are you a child before God? Are you coming to God with the heart of a child? Or are you coming to Him knowing all that you know? Praise the Lord. 
Imagine that you're going down a stream and you can see how long a distance you have traveled and you are praising yourself at what you have achieved, how much you have experienced in this life. My brother, my sister, if you follow that stream into the river, it empties into, follow the river to the delta. By the time it empties into the sea, you realize that all the massive achievements you have obtained in your travel is nothing because you look before you and you see a vast ocean of what you are yet to know, what you are yet to experience. We are talking about walking in the footsteps of the Master. In the footsteps of the Master. Whose Master? My own? The Master of the Sunday School children? The master of the chapel in Esu Teaching Hospital. In the footsteps of the master. You probably have seen the poster that has footsteps, footprints I think it's called. And it gives a short poem about how somebody felt he was... The difficult times in his life, Jesus was not there. And it was only his own footprints that were seen then he was made to understand that at those times the footprints that were alone were not himself having been abandoned but rather those of his master carrying him. Whose master do you want to follow in his footsteps? If we're going to follow the footsteps of a master there are three ways at least three ways we can do that. You're either going to sit back and look for those footprints he leaves and you trace them. Or you're going to keep a lookout and you know when you're traveling on a long straight road, you're seeing the person you're following, you're seeing the vehicle, you're seeing the back of his head. You're just looking and you see, as long as I can see the back of his head, I will find my way. Because the tracks, the footprints may have been covered, may have become obscured. Or you can be one who is following immediately behind him or beside him. You're walking with him. You're ensuring that the next step he takes, that place he moved his foot is where your foot is going to enter. You're following closely. You're not, you're not having any room for distractions whatsoever. But follow, you must, if he is your master. The last aspect is where he's not really your master. Uh, you just see those prints and, okay, I could follow this. It looks like there are some things nice about it. But my brother, my sister, if you're following the master as just following him. When you encounter any difficulty, definitely you will stop following. Because nobody pursues a venture that he is not committed to. John says to us in 1 John chapter 2, I write this to you 
so that you will not sin. It is not news to any of us that the one thing that separates us from God is sin. And John is saying, I write this so that you will not sin. What is he writing? He says that Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And this is how we know that we have come to know him. How? If we obey his commands. Very simple. Yet, very rare. Very difficult to find. We may find out what we need to do. We may learn what we need to do. We may read it. But what about doing it? That is when you are following the footsteps of the master. When you are doing it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. 1 Corinthians 3.18 Do we have it? Children, are you drawing your sword? 1 Corinthians 3.18 Praise the Lord. The interesting thing about life is that whether you like it or not, whether you choose to believe it or not, everybody, every one of us is somebody's fool. We are built that way. We are created that way to depend on somebody bigger. It doesn't matter whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God. As a matter of fact, the atheist who says he does not believe God exists has a measure of faith that is bigger than the one I can muster. Why? Because it is much harder for me to believe that there is no greater power. As I look out, I see the sun shine. I look out, I see the rain, the cycle of life. And I say, all these things came from nothing. It's a deeper faith, if you like. I need to have a deeper faith to be able to believe that these things just came to be. These things just exist. It's a little easier for me to believe that, ah, there is a greater one who has made this to be. Because we all have the experience of somebody who knows a little more than us. Somebody who taught us how to do this or how to do that. So, whether you like it or not, you're somebody's fool. Whether you believe it or not, you are a fool for somebody. But God gives us a choice, as always. He says, I lay before you life and death. Choose life. He lays before us the choice of who's fool to be. You want to be a fool for Christ? That is how you walk in the footsteps of the Master. If you choose not to be a fool for Christ, you cannot tell me you have not chosen to be a fool for the other. Oh no, you have made a choice. Even in refusing to make a choice. You have made a choice. Because there is none of us that can exist on his own. None of us that can walk as his own God. Praise the Lord. If God is master in your life, and I believe he is for most of us, if not all of us here, is he master in everything? Is he master in every situation you encounter? 
Or is he, as some poets had put it, master of the margins, lord of the leftovers? When you have done all you can, pursued all your goals, whatever is remaining, okay, take an eye, let's go and um, give God some glory. God is not satisfied with being the master of the margins, the marginal areas of your life. That's where he comes in. His, his day is Sunday. In fact, for some people, it is Sunday morning. Thereafter, we are riding on again. We need to walk in the footsteps of the master. We need to be people who recognize that there is no going, getting there if we don't have our driver. If we don't have the master who knows the way there. I go before you, he says, to prepare a place for you. I don't think any of us here would volunteer to take us to heaven. Because you've not been there. But if we're going to be there, we need to be directed there by the one who not only has gone there, but actually made there to exist in the first place. What is our work with God like? Are we taking things the way we find our children take them? God says, this is what you should do. This is how you should comport yourself in the office. This is what you are to do on the highway. But we look around us and that is our predicament. Everybody else is doing it a different way. Truth of the matter is, yes. If you are going to walk in the footsteps of the master, Consider how he walked. How did he walk? Did he conform to the standards of his day? No. He lived above those standards. Did he merely attend to rules? Okay, they said we should do this. Well, let's do it now. No. It was a part of his life. It was his life. The children have challenged us today. They've given us um, a take-home assignment to search ourselves and call them together before the end of today and say, my children, I enjoyed the similarities between Joseph and Jesus that you presented. Let me tell you the similarities between myself and Jesus. And you rule it out. One by one. Or let's look at it the other way. Let your child be the one to tell you how you are like Jesus. The similarities between you and Jesus. If he's unable to, to give much, you know the situation where somebody says, um, 
this person is very bad and you are a nice person and you say, no, 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 there is something, there's something good. I mean, he's not that bad. There must be something good about him. And he says, name one. And he says, um, but he, he, he can, um, he should be able, and you find that you can't name anything. Will our children, if they try to mention the similarities between Jesus and ourselves, be caught up in that kind of situation where they are trying to, but they can't find what to say? We look like we have that looks like Jesus. It's a small assignment, but it's very profound. It's very profound. If my child is unable to do that, my excuse could be, ah, he doesn't know much about Jesus, so he cannot really relate to me. Or, he doesn't know much about me. Or, the things he knows about Jesus are so highfalutin. Whichever one of those two it is, we still remain guilty. If he doesn't know much about Jesus, whose fault? Is it his? It means that I have failed. It means that you have failed. If what he, know, if what he knows about Jesus is wrong and he cannot relate it to what he's seeing on you, again, it is our failure. The fact that we have a duty a responsibility has been emphasized severally in the course of this service as parents, as adults to the children we have a responsibility to ensure that they see in us a master in whose footsteps they can walk and that can only be right when we ourselves are moving in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus. That can only be right when what we say is what they can repeat. And they will always repeat the things we say. If they don't repeat it before you, they will repeat it before their siblings. They will repeat it before their friends. If you hear a child use curse words it's very unlikely that he picked them from outside the home very unlikely what do we do in our houses what do we do in our homes how do we present God to these children do we even present God to them do we imagine that we are the gospel they are reading. We are. No matter how many hours you spend to read the Bible in morning devotion, in evening devotion in the house, the Bible, the gospel that they read, the closest is you and I, our character, our words, our deeds. Tell that landlord, that I'm not in. And if you're 
unlucky and the child is lucky, he will tell the landlord, Dadim Simwage Nonoria. The child is telling the truth, the way it is. What do we impart in the children? It is not only what we do actively, how we emphasize in teaching them, what we emphasize in correcting them when they make mistakes or when they behave um, in the wrong way. Beyond those corrections we give, beyond those instructions we give, is the one we, we are not aware of. The way you're chatting on the phone, the language you're using on the phone. Oh, you should, you should see your children um, when they don't know you're watching them. Answering their um, imaginary phone calls. And believe me, they are simply playing out what they have seen you do. Praise the Lord. But we need to recognize that there is a master, the Lord Jesus, whom we all profess. But how master is he to us will be determined at the end of time. He says in Matthew 25 that he will separate the sheep from the goats. And each of those groups will declare how they did this in the name of the Lord. And to one group you say, I, didn't, I do not know you. Interestingly, those that he recognizes simply did it in the name of the Lord to the next person. Without realizing that that passive activity, if there's anything like passive activity, is what God recognizes. That is what flows not the one you have wound up your, cranked up your engine to go and perform. That ministration, that word of exhortation, that message of salvation you give to the next person in the course of casual talk is the real evangelism. Not the one you have packaged your Bible, prepared, done 10 hours fasting and praying to go and preach to somebody. No, that's, that is part of it. But the real one that counts for eternity is that one that flows. Flows. That's just the word. I, I don't need to add any word after The one that flows. Praise the Lord. And it can only come when we take time to recognize the Master, take time to acquaint ourselves with the Master, Take time to know him and have him know us. Take time to identify ourselves to the rest of the world as being servants of this master. And ensuring that we walk in his footsteps. Not from a distance. Not as an afterthought. But as our primary motivation. In everything we do to determine that it is what Jesus says. 
There's a book titled In His Steps by a man called Sheldon. And even though it's fiction, it gives an insight to what we need to do and be as Christians. That's where the famous um, uh, phrase became popular. What would Jesus do? WWJD. What would Jesus do? That, that should be the guideline to what you do in every situation, in every circumstance. There's nothing like, and we use that a lot in various forms. Uh, this is business. business. No. Whatever it is you're doing that cannot be made to go through the mold of what would Jesus do. If you truly want to follow in the footsteps of the master, you have no business doing that thing. If the business that you use to sustain your family is in danger when you subject it to the question of what would Jesus do, you have no business doing that business. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse um, 3 and 4. It gives us a picture of the soldier and how he relates to his commander-in-chief. And that is how we should relate to our master. And I like the way that um, the Message Bible puts the verse 4. He says, a soldier on duty doesn't get caught up in making deals at the marketplace. A soldier on duty does not get caught up in making deals at the marketplace. If you're on duty as a soldier of Christ, you have no business in civilian affairs, as uh, the KJV puts it. You have no business going to make deals. You have no business going to enter into businesses that have nothing to do with soldiering. In the footsteps of the master, What we have seen, First John says, what was from the beginning, First John chapter 1, which we heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this is what we proclaim concerning the word of life. That is how John the Beloved started this epistle. And that is how we should start our impartation to those around us. And for those of us in family, beginning with our children, it should be what we have heard, what we have seen, we have looked at, and our hands have touched. That is to say, it is not just the message you've heard in church, you're transposing it to the children. You have also tested that message like the Berean Christians. And you have acted on it. So when you are talking to your child, you're talking out of experience. Even in answering a difficult question about the Bible passage, you're talking out of having tried the difficulty of that passage yourself and found answer from the Lord. There is a call on every one of us. Today is Children's Day. It is not the day for these people on this segment. It is the day for all of us. We all 
must be children. If we want to enter into the rest of the master, if we want to be in the delightful side of the master, we must be children. Luke 18 verse 16 and 17 so that we have a biblical backing to it. Luke 18, 16 and 17 says, But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. How does a little child receive the kingdom? As it is, it does not begin to analyze and, and place it under logic. It takes it the way the master has given it. You tell your child, sit down here. This is where you are to sit and nothing will happen to you. He believes you. He stays there. The whole world around him may be crumbling. If daddy said, this is where I will stay, nothing will happen to me. That is what he will do. That is the way we should be. That is the way we are called to walk in the footsteps of the master. That which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which our hands have tried out, that, my brothers and sisters, is what we should be willing to pass on. And if we are walking in the footsteps of the master, we must be willing to pass it on. I encountered a poem somewhere in a Christian magazine, and I want to read it to you as we close. A careful man I ought to be, a little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray for fear. He will go the self same way. Not once can I escape his eyes. Whatever he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says he's going to be that little chap that follows me. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I am molding for the years to be that little chap who follows me. If you think, oh well, I don't have any child, or my children are all grown up, they are now thinking on their own. My brother, you are wrong. You are the gospel many children read. You are a role model to people you don't know. You are the person that God will call up to give account for this person, that person. How will you do that? If you have not become one with Jesus Christ. Like the children's drama showed. Mother may encourage you in any way, in any direction. Your friends may tell you all the mannerisms you need to take and succeed. Until you have encountered Jesus, when the push comes to shove, you will fall. You will not make it. So, when we're talking about walking in the footsteps of the master, it begins with, first of all, having that master as your master. Having that master as your master. And we have opportunity today. It's Children's Day. You can become a child before the Lord. And as the chaplain will take up from here, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, 
and become a child of God. One who knows the master and can therefore recognize his footprints. Because whether you like it or not, there will be several footprints. But you must know the one that belongs to the master so you can follow it. Follow it till you get to his side and walk with him hand in hand that you may not miss the way. Let us pray. We bless your name, ancient of days, for your word to us, your place in our lives to be our master. It is a place that you open up to us to volitionally accept. And when we do, to walk in your footsteps and not just have you as a statutory master on paper, but not in our lives. But to walk with you closely because therein lies our success. Therein lies our victory. Be our strength, O Lord. Always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.